Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Liberty Squadron Podcast. My name is Andrew Lewinsky and I am joined this week with Jonathan Lee. Hello everyone. Brett Freeman. Hi guys. And we have some invaders from Team Liberty Squadron this week. We have Chance Crawford. Hello, hello. And Matthew Chuang. Hey. Alright, so these are like two of our newest players, I'd probably say, in the the scene. But uh, they've kind of quick quickly grasp everything pretty uh, nicely they are headed to worlds with us so we had decided to have them on get you know to know them a little bit better um they'll have some cool swag for you guys that we're going to give to them to so if you see them in the liberty squadron shirts make sure you hit them up and uh i'm sure they'll have some cool things for you so right off the bat we'll do some shout outs uh jonathan and brett i'm going to give this to you guys since you filled this out oh um Go ahead, brett. okay so uh, we were going to give a shout out to some people who couldn't make it, like uh, like Ted, um, Tristan, and Paul, um, who hopefully will be able to come on next week. Um, Paul is stuck in traffic this week. Tristan has house guests, uh, and I think Ted is working. And also a big shout out to Chris and his liver. Hopefully they're doing well on vacation. From what we understand is Chris is partying it up in Ireland. So hi, Chris. I'm sure you're going to listen to this and then, you know. Quit the show afterwards. Uh, so, anyway, let's head into our news. We have um, a couple things that happened this week. Uh, Jonathan, you want to take this one? Uh, so, FFG had uh, an Ask Me Anything on their FFG Live earlier this week, and we had Max Brooks and Brooks Flugar Levitt answered some questions. I think the main takeaway was that they can't talk about upcoming releases, but they would also have some new rules questions would be answered on the FFG forums. And they haven't been as of yet, but questions about the ability queue and how uh, the Nantex's ability works. And I think those were the biggest takeaways. They also said um, that they also said that the new ops, like the scenario stuff is not intended for organized play. And I think that's the most important stuff right there. Yeah, we I, may I, be getting three new gas clouds. We're we're not sure mm-hmm. if that one is is correct or not, but that would be pretty cool Insert if we did just to catch them up. Dot beam. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, they one of the things they said about the scenario play is that it's not going to be like you're not going to see these things in system opens, but it's quite possible that you could just be in like a, a store championship or a store kit. Um, tournament and they could absolutely use these so that's an interesting aspect of the game that you can actually really get a different way to play out of the game than just this you know team deathmatch or just deathmatch whatever it's called Um, so that would be definitely interesting uh, down the future Um, and I am 100% interested in this FAQ because we need to know how the Nantex actually works yeah I wish they could put that out sooner rather than later I mean we're getting pretty close to worlds and you know basically it seems like no one can agree on what this ability queue is supposed to do yeah it's yeah i mean i'd be shocked if we we i would hope that we don't get it on thursday and the other stream coming up um i would hope they give us at least a week notice but uh at the same time i don't know what i expect from ffj so Moving along, then a couple things. We have the group championship coming up this Saturday. It's basically like a primer for Worlds. It's basically like our own little regional that we kind of um, have lim- limited to the like X-Wing group in Philadelphia and South Jersey. 
so that's coming up this weekend at Top Deck Games. Should definitely check it out if you're not doing anything. And then we have Worlds following the very next week. Uh, we had a little bit of information leak out today where the there's about 331 people registered for the LCQ and about 150 invites from that LCQ will be making it into Worlds. So that is a hefty number. Probably the top half of three and threes will make it. Everything above will obviously make it. So um, it's something to definitely look at. Like if you are headed to the LCQ, you know, chances are you're probably going to, you know, the top half is going to get into Worlds. Um, I know, Brett, you've been crunching down this math pretty hard because you're chomping at the bit to get that Plo Koon Aethys. Oh, I really am. Um, I mean, I, 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 I will be honest, I did sort of work out an arrangement with Paul to buy his in case I don't get one. Um, but I, I just want one so badly. They're so nice. But yeah, so it looks like if there's 300 people, because um, we figure there's going to be some no-shows, uh, basically a full half of the three and threes are going to get in. And that's if there's only 150 invites. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not FFG, so I don't know what they're doing. But if it was me, I would be conservative about my estimates of the number of invites given because it's always better to say, oh, actually, there's 180 then go from 150 and say, oh, actually, there's only 100. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's actually going to be significantly more than 150 invites that are available. So I think uh, people going are going to have a really good shot of, uh, of getting that invite and getting that, that nice participation plow to give to me. On top of that, I would make sure that you don't get cocky. Because um, then you'll be like, oh, I'm going to have this great shot of getting into worlds and everything like that. I don't really need to fly something terrible. And then you go two and four. Um, so remember, this still is, you know, these are the people that are chomping at the bit to get into worlds. Like they want to get in. Like I, I know there's some people there that are there just for like X-Wing Con and they want to have fun. But I, I think at the same time, th- this is going to be a very heavy crowd of people that are there for competitive play like you're not going to see the bottom of the barrel stuff like janky stuff like you're actually going to see competitives lists there so it's something that you want to make sure you're aware of and granted i don't think we're going to see like the top of the top meta there but i think at the same time it's going to be a very tough day and i think you need to be ready for it i completely agree i mean it's a commitment to fly to minnesota in the middle of october um, I think the people going are going to be the, you know, you know, the extreme hardcore players like us who, who really want to, to, to do well. So I definitely don't think you're going to be seeing any of the, you know, the, the jank you might see at a local hyperspace or anything along those lines. Um, think, oh, sorry, Chance. Go ahead. And I think the other thing to note, this is also going to be the, fir- if I'm not mistaken, the first extended major tournament after Wave 5. Uh, so there's very likely to be some stuff that you might not have seen before with uh, with all the new ships and everything that we might not have seen in hyperspace trials. Yeah, that's definitely absolutely something that you have to be aware of. Like the, those Nantexes, we're sitting here talking about the Nantexes nonstop, and yes, they are going to show up. I would be surprised if you see more than one list um, in the LCQ with it because the thing about the LCQ is... If it's six to six rounds, you're not going to see, like, the entire field. Like, it's basically going to come down to as soon as you hit four and two um, or four wins, you know, you can kind of, like, goof off at that point because you've basically secured yourself a spot. 
But I think at the same time, um, we're, we're, we'll sit here and talk about the Nantex, but there's that Y-Wing that came out. Like, be prepared for that thing, too, because, you know, that's a nice little filler ship for uh, Resistance, or, yeah, Republic, I'm sorry, um, that you should really kind of take a look at. Like, um, Broadside is a spectacular ship. Make sure you know what it does, and, like, try to get as much practice with that stuff that you can before then like be prepared for snapshot like that's going to be there as well um i know a lot of people are shying away with with ensnare on the nantexas but snapshot is absolutely something that could be going on them so there's a bunch that you have to remember with these things um again well so one thing we've been talking about internally in the the group and i'm just kind of wondering if anyone wants to, to talk about it at all, is whether or not it makes sense to, to bring a different list to the LCQ than you're going to bring uh, to the main event. You know, in the LCQ, MOV could matter significantly if you're 3-3. Three and three, And in the you know the main event, it, it really doesn't matter at all as long as you get the five wins. So is anyone actually giving any serious thought to bring a, a different list, or are you all going the same way I am with what I have the most practice with is, is what I'm going to do best with, probably? Uh, yeah. Again... I'm straight up just going with the same list. I've got the reps in. I'm going to keep getting reps in at the group championship. I'm not going to fly something at the LCQ, make it in, and then try and test something that I haven't had as much time with. I, I've, I've tossed up the idea, but I think the biggest thing is just using the list that you know you know how to fly. So me, a part of me, I think I'm going to bring a Jousty list for the LCQ. Um, and then I actually might be switching up my list uh, for Worlds just to see how it works. Um, because the list that I've kind of been practicing for the LCQ, I, I know its strengths and its weaknesses. And it's going to win matches. It's going to win Joust. It's going to get me good MOV. But I think in a scenario that I need to go 5-2 and two in, I don't know if that is the list that can do it. Um Granted, I should probably, you know, with that mentality, it might sound completely counterintuitive that if I can go five and two with the other list, why not just bring it to that um, LCQ? But I, I think I'm that might be the route I'm taking because I just kind of want to be like on autopilot mode at that point and just be like, I need to get through this day and do it as quick as possible and secure myself that seat. Yeah, with using the least amount of you know brain power necessary to to conserve it in case you have to play seven rounds the next day. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and the the list that I am anticipating on bringing to Worlds requires a lot of brain power. So um, we'll see. We'll we'll see how the LCQ goes and go from there. All right. So let's move along to our two invaders. We have Chance Crawford. Chance, why don't you tell us a little bit about your X-Wing career and what you are flying at Worlds. Um, if you don't want to tell us because it's top secret, that's okay. But um, tell, tell us, talk a little bit. Uh, well, so like you mentioned before, I am a relatively newer player. I, I got in right at the tail end of a, a 1.0 when... I got lucky. Everyone was tired of flying the crazy brokenness and was just flying what was fun, so I didn't have to deal with the nightmares of 1.0. Um, and 2.0's, in my opinion, been been great so far. Uh, 
as far as what I'm flying, I mean, everyone's going to find out at the group championship anyway. So I am flying a list of uh, two uh, Initiative 1 TIE Defenders, the Deltas with Heavy Laser Cannon, and a Palp Shuttle with a Jamming Beam. Um, it's a list that I've got some good practice in. I think I have some pretty decent matchups. And even the ones I don't, TIE Defenders are you know pretty good at just pulling out uh, crazy, crazy uh, scenarios. So that's that's my plan right now. White 4Ks are a good strategy. Uh, double modded white 4Ks. Yes. So Chris used to ask people these questions all the, or this question all the time, and he's not on, so I'm gonna kind of ask because I really liked it. Why are you bad at X-wing? He's gonna be so proud. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why am I bad at X-wing? Uh, the if, in my opinion, I'm terrible at engaging. I, I find I am a little extra careful because I never want to get the wrong engage, which ends up putting me in a wrong engage because um, I overthink scenarios. Uh, and I do get myself a little uh, extra worked up at tournaments, even when I necessarily shouldn't be. And it stresses me out and kind of makes me expend some extra brain power that I really don't need to. Having that extra day off at Nova after I made it into the cut was a lifesaver, even though you beat me uh, in the cut. <laughs> so you, you just stepped in on what I was going to say is that, you know, you, you didn't really brag at all for yourself. I mean, your first year playing, you made a cut at a, uh, a hyperspace trial and you made a cut at Nova. Like, I mean, you're a phenomenal player. You should be so proud of everything you've done in the last year and change. Thank you, thank you. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not too big at talking myself up, so I appreciate it. Cool. So, so Chance, after all your success with the First Order, why? I, I'm just curious, why have you decided to switch over to the Defenders and the Palp Shuttle after all the reps you put in with like the Silencers and, and Tavson? I think it's a, it's a combination of uh, some of the matchups I found that I, I had a lot of issues with at Nova weren't things I I personally necessarily felt I could fix with that list without completely changing it. And then at that point, why not try something totally different anyway? Uh, also, don't get me wrong, while I love flying Kylo and I love flying um, Tavson, the third piece, Quick Draw, is just, I don't know, always just not felt just right. Um, and just, I needed to, I just needed to, to cleanse my palate a little and just fly something that isn't a double reposition ace and a shuttle plus another ship. Uh, so I still have a shuttle, but it's two completely different ships to what I was flying before. So I think just the, the cleansing my palate is the, the biggest thing. I mean, you're also on the opposite side of the spectrum now. You went from going, you know, six and five to one and one. Uh, three ones. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, so it is a completely different game. As someone who, like, loves to play lower initiative ships myself it's it's a little bit of a challenge on yourself to kind of like really like get different blocks off get different you know maneuvers off and really setting up traps um for your opponent because nine times out of ten you're moving first the the other way i'm, I'm looking at it too is uh when you fly fives and sixes you fly in a bid whatever you get you can try to sometimes get used to moving last which can be a bit of a, a crutch in those scenarios when you don't have the bid, you run up against a Republic list with a 15 point bid, and now your whole strategy is you know, up in the air. Um, so flying these initiative ones, I'm trying to 
practice and learn setting up kill boxes for higher initiative ships and trying to to get better with setting up blocks and predicting where my opponent goes not just moving after him and and uh and repositioning to to alleviate where they might have moved to um so that's that's another reason why um i moved away from the kylo quick draw to the uh, triple initiative ones you can't can't move uh don't don't I don't move uh, after much. It's kind of nice actually. You never get blocked. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, one of the things that I love about flying um, the same initiative ships across the board is you can uh, look like at the board itself and like choose self blocks on yourself. Like sometimes you can be a little bit reactive. Like now, granted, I understand that this is all initiative one ships. But I think at the same time, when you are all moving in the same pace and you get to choose which order they go in, you really get to define that um, that board state of yourself. Like the shuttle could possibly, you know, set up a, a block for a defender and the defender, you know, might not can, can keep his arc in a certain spot that he might not have normally done if he wasn't being blocked himself. Oh, I know. a really good example of that back at the... Um... Red Caps hyperspace trial. After the trial, they did a little extended side tournament, and I was playing um, Whisper Rack uh, against uh, Brobots and uh, Forlom. And there was a turn where uh, Rack had gotten ionized due to a disabled power regulator, so I knew he was going to pounce on that because Rack was giant target and he knew exactly where he was going to be, and he wasn't going to be able to reinforce. Um, so because I was initiative matched, I managed to move Whisper in front of Rack, bump him, trigger Dauntless, get the reinforced, and actually dodge an arc, all because I was initiative matched and was able to, to pull that off. Nice. Yeah. Good. Oh, I was gonna, uh, uh, go ahead, Andrew. No, no, I was gonna say, uh, just, like, with my, like, when I was flying the triple I-5, I was like, especially with, like, Ketsu... Um, in the shadow caster, a lot of times, like you just with big, large bases, that p ability to be able to bump yourself in that manner, it, it can be huge. Uh, go ahead, Jonathan. Oh, I was gonna two two questions. As someone, I know you've flown a lot of the Upsilon. Upsilon. I was wondering what you thought of the Lambda shuttle and the differences between the two, um, and. Another question, you know, flying I-1s, I don't know if your list has any bid, but have you thought about, you know, how when you're at I-1, sometimes you want to bid so that you go first, so you're not blocked by your opponent, and you can put your ships into blocking positions? I don't know if that, that's something you thought of, if that was a consideration in your list building. Uh, so I'll answer that first. I, I did consider that in my list building. Um the taking out the heavy laser cannons and running a bit and also denying potentially my opponent those points. Um, so I flew it, I tried flying it both ways. Um, admittedly, other initiative ones aren't super common besides the um, the uh, Trade Federation drones. Uh, but even then, the lists that have those are usually a mix of I-1s and I-3s. And most of the other generics you see a lot of, like torrents and such, are usually I-2 or higher. Um, and the amount of uh, use I got at a heavy laser cannon, I just, I personally decided, was uh, was better than than dropping those and trying to have that bid to to make sure of it. Um, as far as the lambda versus the upsilon, so they're both big base uh, shuttles. 
they could not play more differently um the the between the rear arc on the lambda but the better dial of the upsilon and the four dice five at range one um i fly them completely differently um and tavson tavson's just his own beast with his action economy whereas the shuttle if it reinforces it's usually giving up mods for an attack uh, where tavson generally doesn't have to worry about that um so it's it's funny because they're similar ships that sort of serve a similar role but uh, i found that i fly them completely differently having a back arc is pretty nice right it's very nice. Two dice, you know, t- people joke that two dice is useless until your uh, your Jedi blanks out uh, from a shuttle's back arc attack. Nice. Um, cool. Well, let's move on a little bit. Um, Matt, let's hear a little bit about yourself. Um, you know, uh, yeah. you're, you're probably our newest X-Wing player, and here you are attending Worlds. I guess it was something to do. Anyways, um... Yeah, so I got into X-Wing. I wanted to get into it since, like, last summer I saw it, and I was like, looks pretty interesting. So I came into the store. I came into Showcase, and I think I saw Andrew and Jonathan at the table, and they were playing. And I still maintain that you guys were, like, really, really sad because of (laughs) 1.0. Because I was, like, asking about the game, and you guys were like, oh, yeah, you could buy in now, or you could just, like, wait for 2.0. So I was like, okay, interesting. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, yeah, so I was down I was down here for the summer um, just to intern. So I ended up actually coming back to work here. And so I decided to buy into, uh, buy into X-Wing. So I bought, um, I bought Trench Run. And then, um, yeah, I've been playing since then. Cool. Well, what are you flying at Worlds? So I'm going to fly uh, Kylo Quickdraw Tabson, as is apparently beginning to become the Philly tradition. That or scum, so yeah, I'm flying Kyla Quick Draw Tabson. What what made you choose that list? Um, so I had a period of time after season three where I was just like really distracted by like all the new ships coming out and everything I hadn't flown and stuff like that. So I was just flying a bunch of random stuff, and so I've decided to come back around and just focus on like more of the fundamentals of X Wing. So like uh, Kyla Quick Draw Tabson is a pretty simple list, and I think it has a lot of the fundamentals I need to nail down to get better at X-Wing, like uh, flying aces, uh, flying a heavy big base, and then, you know, it's got the tools you need, and it's not that complex. So why are you bad at X-Wing? <laughs> well, I am bad at X-Wing because I want to fly all the new stuff. So, yeah, like I said, after the end of Season 3, I had a lot of, like, oh, a piece of candy, and then, like, <laughs> Ooh, I just, like, own... I-, I now own, like, six out of the seven factions and a bunch of crud and what faction do you not own i do not own uh separatists because yeah buying a swarm is not on my radar right now i mean you should be buying nantexes because they're the best thing ever apparently i mean they're pretty good i'm pretty scary <laughs> um there, i had a question and now i don't remember oh well um so what, what are you most looking forward to at worlds then uh i actually um i play quite a few miniatures games and i really like x-wing because like i think the general community around it is like really cool like uh all the x-wing things like hyperspaces system opens they also feel a lot like social gatherings too not just like everyone gathers around plays with their toys and then everyone goes home 
like it feels like there's a lot of like stuff involved around with it with just like the community and like getting to hang out with like liberty squadron people and it's not really a dynamic i've really seen before in like miniatures gaming so it's pretty neat cool um yeah definitely i I, it's it's definitely like a completely different ball game than any other miniatures game that out there um card games in particular like i said i played a lot of card games before moving into x-wing so you hit the nail right on the head with that um i never remember what i was going to ask you with flying higher initiative uh ships and ships that possibly move after everything else do you find that as being an easier approach to x-wing as opposed to the vice versa where chances flying like the i1s it kind of has to plan a setup where you could basically fly like the other side of it um that you could see perfect information of the board and then identify where everything is um like, how do you feel about that? Like, do you think that's a crutch, or do you think that's, you know, a little bit of skill? What do you, how, What is your thought on that? Well, I think it's a given to take, right? Because, like, if you're moving last, obviously, you can see what your opponent is doing, and theoretically, you can react to that. But, I mean, especially at the more basic levels of X-Wing, if you don't set the right initial maneuver, it doesn't matter if you can see what your opponent's doing. Like, um... Up until recently, I was still, like, fudging up, like, really basic double reposition out of arc just because I wouldn't be able to, like, eyeball it correctly. And then, so even if, you know, I could see everything someone else was doing, it's still kind of on me to get that basic double reposition correct. That being said, I mean, moving last, very powerful. Um, Obviously, people bid down to, like, really low numbers for a reason. Um, Having a lot of information is super good. So I can see both sides of it. Um, and at the same time, like, I don't know, maybe it's not as powerful as high initiative, but like really low initiative, especially really low uniform initiative has its own advantage because you can have a lot more options um, just in like the planning phase. If you know that you can uh, manipulate the board however you want before anything else happens, there's like no outside factors to influence it. And I'm okay with that too, because like uh, a lot of the lists I flew before Kyla Quickdraw tabs in, were like uh like lower like four down initiative ships with like maybe an ace or something like that so uh i definitely see the value in both cool so what i'm gathering is because brett plays republic and he likes to fly jedi who have basically always passive mods and move last uh he's just taking the easy way out here um sorry brett you can suck it um I'm completely taking the easy way out right here. I uh, I like moving last. I like always having mods, um, and I like double repositioning without stress. None of that stuff seems seems bad to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, depending on what bad yeah. means, I guess. I was thinking when we were practicing, we were doing. I'm not going to world, so I was flying a Rick. Obi-Wan, Anakin list, and remember Andrew and we were practicing, and I was moving these ships around, trying to be cagey, but I was just like, I think I'll just go 5-4 towards you. It just <laughs> felt like the right thing to do, and it was so I... hard for me to, like, slow down and be more cagey and, like, be like, maybe I should just one bank here instead of, like, 5 forward. So, kept yeah. On... yeah. It was a fun story that me and Jonathan have been practicing for worlds. He's my uh, beat-up buddy. And then, but Jonathan's notorious for flying beefy lists, and so I'm like, I tell him to throw one Jedi and Rick, and he just jousts me with it. But it's fine. I, I got lots of information out of it. Um, well, I was 
I was always afraid that like you'd isolate one ship. So I was like, oh, Obi-Wan's there in that part of the board by himself. I have to get everyone else over there. So it's when I see that, it's like my instinct. It's like that fear of the one poor, you know, B-Wing getting like separated from the rest of the flock by Soontir and <laughs> murdered. So I have to like send everyone else rushing over there to help him. So. Yeah, and this we, that game we were playing was pre-Ion rule buff. So, uh, I mean, I'm feeling a little bit even more confident in my Ion Cavill right now. So, um, anything else for Matt before we move on to our secret guest who showed up late? All right. Uh, so, Tristan decided to pop in. Tristan, I'm going to kill you now. Um, you know, when did you get into X-Wing? You know, part of Team Liberty Squadron. What are you flying at Worlds? Give us the whole shindig. Hello, listeners. Um, I think I've mentioned this before in the podcast. I started um, X-Wing back during the Force Awakens kit release in 1.0. So that was a while ago, I suppose. I've been flying jank ever since. <laughs> um, for Worlds, um, I'm bringing a mixture of stuff. And you've been flying A-Wings for a long time in 2.0. I, I think I remember the first tournament I went to, you... Had a ton of A-Wings with homing missiles and, and like, Bodhi to get some crazy long-range target locks. <laughs> yeah, that was um, my packs so, list from yeah, last I mean, year. I, yeah. I know you're a, you're, you're really into to the A-Wings, um, and you have some pretty cool painted ones, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but blasting five forward boost up the board and then just watching your opponents look at how far your ship went, like, that's, that's, that's fun. <laughs> I get it. That's why I fly Jedi. I mean, it's... Oh, that's it's, why it's really you fly fun. Jedi. It's just for that reason. <laughs> it's the five forward. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's the five forward and the boost and the passive mods and the the perfect information. No, but uh, so the so wave five had uh, two cards that I think are like way undercosted and unfair. One of them is precog. One of them is snapshot. So I put both in a list, and we're gonna see what happens at worlds. <laughs> uh, it's fine. Everything's fine. Um, you, you really think Snapshot is under-costed, though? Um, maybe, like, by a point. It's probably fine solely because of the ships that can equip it. Um, so if you put it on... I, I feel like the... I think the only initiative ones you can put it on is the are the Phoenix Squadrons, the A-Wings, right? Yeah. Or the yeah the Resistance A-Wings, too. Okay, yeah. So I think the, the ships that you can specifically put snapshot on at initiative one um make it so that snapshot is mostly okay um like there there exist ships in the game that are initiative two and initiative three so you know if you have if you go to initiative three and put snapshot on something like there's a chance you just don't get to use it very often um because your opponent can see where the snapshot's going to be and just not fly there and I know you're really good at making kill boxes. And every time we're at a tournament, you'll usually get paired up with some ace. And just the look on your face, you set up the most amazing kill box. And then you're just like, just watch, they're going to get out of it. I feel like snapshots made just for you. So that way that doesn't happen to you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd, I've been waiting for snapshot to come out for for at least six months. Um, yeah, so snapshot... I know feels bad a lot of the time, especially when your opponent has a maneuverable ship at initiative one, like an A-Wing. Um, but I think Rebel A-Wings for a while have been not overcosted, but not as effective as they could be. 
um, save, you know, like Jake passing out, passing a focus token, or like, I guess sometimes horrible, but um, it's not the A-wing that was doing the work. It's, it's the pilot abilities of those ship of those pilots. Right. So I think the, I think snapshot, I think of snapshot as sort of like a half shot. Um, so if you can put your A-wing in the right spot, you get half of your shot when your opponent moves. And then in the, uh, you know, in the engagement phase, they might like boost out of your arc or something. So you might not get your second two die shot there, but at least you've got, you've gotten half of a shot off. So you can use those points that you spent on that A-wing to leverage some damage. I mean, so, and you were talking, oh, sorry, Andrew. No, go, 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 go. So it's just, this is just a snapshot question in general, right? It's not a, it's nothing I've used in 2.0 yet. Um, so, and you had mentioned how good it is on the lower initiative ships because that way, you know, the people don't know where the snapshots are going to be when they're planning their maneuvers. Do you see any value in having it on a higher initiative ships just to sort of, you know, herd their ships where you want them to go by making those no-fly zones for the next turn? Or, or do you think points are better spent elsewhere? Um, I think it's probably one of those cards that's just like an add-on at the end, like look at so look at your bid buy your bid first if you have a higher high initiative ship and then once you're done buying your bid and you have room for toys go ahead and put it in like i look at i look at snapshot like i look at like afterburners or torpedo or something like that like once you like if you have like a soon tier or a vader or a like an anakin right like you get to a point where you're like I, this is my bid i need this much in my bid and then afterwards the points left over i can spend on upgrades for my ship or a bigger so, bid <laughs> yeah or a big or a bigger bid <laughs> but like it's it's like the ancillary toys you can add on afterwards so like yeah you can put it on a high initiative ship but only if you purchased your bid first uh so tristan what I, do you I like that term purchased your bid i i really like that term yeah it's points your opponent can't get like you're buying points away from your opponent so bidding is very weird right now <laughs> Especially with uh, with regen cards, regen cards, and everyone's the race to the bottom. So, I've been practicing uh, this list a little bit online, but most of my practice, honestly, has come from uh, the tournament we had this past Saturday um, over at Gamer Seven. We had ten players, which is the most we've had a tournament over there. It's our second tournament there, um, and I was decently happy with the performance of the list. So. I'm still tweaking a little bit, and the, I think the core pieces there are going to stay. But, um, but yeah, I feel like I have enough practice in now that I'm like, yeah, this is my world's list. Nice. What do so, you? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was just, so I've heard such great things about the store that you you run these tournaments at. Do you just want to talk about it at all? Like I haven't made it out there yet, but it's it's on my list of things to get to when Worlds is not like two weeks later. Um, and I get some more time, but I mean, do you, do you want to do like a plug for, for all the, the stuff you're doing there? I yes. think you have a league too. <laughs> yeah. When I'm offered to plug for Gamer7, I will. Um, so Gamer7 is a game store in Phoenixville. Uh, and so anybody who can, who can make it out there, we play Tuesday nights. Um, we started up an X-Wing league there. Just show up and there's a Google form. You can just submit to sign up and then Google form to submit your matches and then you're in. Um, we've got an all art card for the league and play any amount of games and you're in. Um, so we run tournaments uh, about once every six weeks for scheduling them. So we've been posting them on the Liberty Squadron Facebook page and other places. 
Um, the store itself um, has plenty of space. It's fantastic. Um, they they serve food there. They've got a ramen bar. They've got like all sorts of like fries and pizza and stuff like that. Um, next to it, which is very dangerous for me, is an Indian restaurant. Um, so you can't bring food into the vent, in, like into the store because they serve food there, um, except for the Indian restaurant. I think they have some kind of agreement there. You can like from that restaurant specifically, you can bring food over. Um, but it's also BYOB, which is great. So Tuesday nights we show up, we drink some beers, we you know play X Wing. It's a it's a great time. Do I remember correctly that you guys stream those games too? Uh, we did for the first uh, league. Um, so, so the guy with the, the streaming equipment, shout out to Mark. Um, Mark, uh, he's been really busy lately with hockey and stuff, so he hasn't brought his streaming equipment over lately. But that's one of the things we should probably get back into. Um, but yeah, he's got a YouTube channel. I can try and look it up real quick if you want to see some of the games that we had streamed before. Stall, I'll find it. <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, we've off? streamed there before. What, what, you know, I, <laughs> I didn't realize you guys were BYOB. <laughs> Jonathan's yeah, going to uh, now. Yeah, on the, at the tournament on Saturday. <laughs> we were partaking. Do, do I remember also that they like had Little Mermaid playing on in the background? Or am I just completely making <laughs> oh, that is my up? That is my favorite picture from any X-Wing tournament. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was like us playing X-Wing, being all serious because it was getting close to the final round. And Little Mermaid playing on a projector in the background. <laughs> They've got TVs all over the store, and it just so happened that the the very first tournament we had there, um, they also had like a kid's birthday party on the other half of the store, at the same time. So we were playing, overplaying X Wing, and having a good time doing doing our own thing. And they put up they were they were, had on like kids movies all day. So we were like <laughs> we were watching Disney movies and like singing along to them as we were, as we were playing X Wing. It was great. That does sound awesome. Um, and then just to to give you another shout out, we talked about this a couple months ago, but. But Tristan um, has an X-Wing blog, which is joustme.home.blog, and he has a great article about, I think he called it like hyperspace practice or hyper practice, um, and it's, you know, a couple of rounds that you play, and it, it just has simulated dice results to try and get average and cutout variants to, to work on engagements. Um, and if anyone has not read it, um, you know, give it a give it a look. It's, it's a really good way to, you know, test out a list and in not a lot of time figure out if you think you you actually have something that has legs or not. Yeah, thanks. That was a that was a useful article to write purely for myself. <laughs> I, I wanted to throw that information together, and by the time I had it kind of written up, I was like, well, I might as well post it online. Um, but it was, yeah, it was super helpful practicing for, I forget what big tournament was coming up when I wrote that. But, uh, yeah, I, when I wrote up that article, um, Ted and I were doing a lot of practice that specific style of practice where we just throw ships on the table and then move them, move them, move them, and then reset and then do it again. Um, and then in the hyper practice article, I have a table set up where you just look at like, how many dice do you have? How many dice do I have? It's about that much damage. Okay, let's move on. Like no dice rolling. You just go. Um, and sort of in my experience doing that practice, I could get in about seven matches in the amount of time you can get one match in. So if you just go fast, figure it out. Obviously, it doesn't give you all of the X-Wing core experience, but if you want to practice for a big event coming up and you want to figure out if your list is viable and practice approaches and you know see if your list has the firepower it's supposed to have, it shows you all those things. It's great. But how do I blame my dice? That's <laughs> a big problem here. <laughs> That takes, I think that takes its own special kind of practice. Yeah. 
But yeah, no, it was a great article. Um, you have a, another one on there too, I think, talking about the Toronto Open. Um, but this one, I think, is the one that, that's just really good for everyone to read and, and look at when practicing. Thanks, man. All right, Tristan, so what are you most excited for about Worlds? I am most excited for the side events. I'm praying that I scrub out in the, uh, <laughs> in the main tournament so I can go play some Epic, man. Um, no, they, like I'm excited for, for the side events that are going to happen. Um, so, you know, we're going to have some amount of time uh, that's down while there's like Destiny stuff happening and Legion stuff happening and whatever other FFG products that aren't X-Wing that we don't care about are happening. Um, so there's going to be a lot of like side events that I need to get ready for. Um, I'm not sure if they've done the live stream yet and revealed exactly how all of those side events are going to like the rules for them. But list building for that is on my to-do list for this week. I actually already have my uh, my list for all the side events ready because I'm bringing two lists, maybe my epic ship and a list for that, and that's it. <laughs> uh, do we know that if the epic format is going to actually be played with epic ships, or is it just kind of like bring a lot of points? So I so they do actually have some of the rules um, on or linked on from the uh, the I think it's like flight in the fight in the sky type article or whatever um so for epic they just say to bring an 800 point squad um between two people using the same faction um so i don't think there's anything necessarily to indicate that they're gonna have epic ships um i mean obviously it would be awesome if we could get pre-releases of those um but i i'm not expecting it unfortunately sad uh, so, so the, the memory of epic ships in 2.0 that I have thus far is that I remember a, a photo from one of our locals that went to Gen Con um, where they had a, a demo, a whole bunch of epic ships set up across the table from each other. I'm not sure if they were using 2.0 rules or just sort of made things up. Um, and then the, uh, uh, the other thing was uh, that uh, they had an epic format, I think last year at a couple of the system opens that was just like bring small ba- bring small bay ships and i think it was like 300 points or something and it was just a uh like a hangar bay format type thing so those are the only two epics official epic stuff so far that i that i think we've seen aside from like the articles that have been released interesting uh paul uh, paul brett do you have that article up like do we know the schedule of the events happening like we know the yeah. lcq is on wednesday uh from what we were told it is six rounds and then the we go into the day one and day um day one a and day one b on the thursday and friday if you have that up that'd be great yeah i'm i'm linking it uh right now um and then i thought maybe it makes sense to talk about some of the side of um yeah, some of the side events. So here is. I would love to talk about the extended countdown tournament because I think that is one of the most interesting ideas they have at Worlds for the side tournament. With the chess clocks? Yes. Each player gets a 40 minute uh, chess clock. And if your time runs out, all your ships are destroyed and you instantly lose. And your margin only is calculated based on your opponent's remaining ships. So you don't get to keep points for your remaining ships. You only get points for what you destroy. So uh, I've got interesting feelings about this. Like I'm curious what FFG's motive is behind this. Because they're not doing this 
just because it's what people want. There is some motive behind this of, are we going to test this as a future play, or are we going to show you how bad of an idea this is for X-Wing? Um, and, and it'll be interesting to see if they ever actually do tell us what that is, but it, I'm curious to see how it actually does work out. I mean, because I've got questions about it, of like, you know, when you're setting dials, do both of your clocks be running at the same time? Like, it, it seems like it's like when you're moving ships, like when you're moving one of your ships, are you the one that's on the clock? Um, it, it's really interesting to see, and I, I am really curious to see how this does pan out. Yeah, and I, I agree. I think they have some ulterior motive, and I think it's to show people how having a system like a chess clock would make it so stuff like swarms are completely non-viable, um, right? I mean, because it's 40 minutes per person, so I can't imagine that, you know, when you're both doing something like setting a dial, you're going to not be running that clock, or else these could become, you know, two, three-hour games. So I think they're going to show that, uh, yeah, if we have a system like a chess clock, then everyone's just going to have two ship or three ship lists, and it's that's See, now, are the its yeah, charm. are the games still seventy? Are they eighty minute long games? or Are they seventy five? Is it still seventy five minutes? They're eighty minutes. It, so yeah, it's just be, forty per, forty minutes per I player. Mean, what I mean is, can you end the game before? Does the game still end after seventy five minutes go by? Like, is it possible you end the game and neither player, both players, still have time on their chess clocks, or is the end condition someone runs at a time or no i think what will happen is it would be possible to actually go to you know um like 79 minutes and you know 59 seconds um if you just keep hitting that chest clock back and forth um so i think it is like an 80 minute game with you know a timer on that on each player's side um yeah so from the format section, each table has a chess timer with 40 minutes per player. And if a player's time runs out, all their ships are immediately destroyed and they lose. Right. So it's 40 minutes per player. And like the X-Wing still ends if you destroy all your opponent's ships, right? Right. So I don't see... I honestly don't see many games going past... 60 minutes right like, right <laughs> if one player if one player is quick like that other player's 40 minutes burns up fast right i, I mean it could like i said if, if you have like um each opponent has a list that is very similar you could just you know go by really really quick hitting that chess clock back and forth and not really engaging so i mean like it, it is possible that you know it could take long and play the clock, but, but like I said, like my, my real question is is where does that come out to be, you know, are both players going to go on the clock while setting dials? Is you know so, something along those lines? They, I know there's a pause button on the clock. They had said somewhere, and I don't know. It feels like if you're in a round format, you have to have a time when the judge says, "All right, everyone, wrap up your games so that you can go to the next round." Right, and, and that's you can't the let one game pause run button. like. Yeah. I think that's the big problem with the pause button because, like, if you are playing the game where both players are at forty minutes apiece, then um, with that clock constantly running, it, it's completely different. But I, yeah, I had like, assumed. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say this sounds like a lot of fun as a competitive format. But if I were a new player walking up and seeing people slamming a chess clock, it would <laughs> be like, nope, I'm out. Like, this is not the game I want to play. 
I, don't, I had just assumed that the game would still end at 75 minutes, and it's just the clock exists just to keep people moving. Yeah, I, I hope that's the case. And unfortunately, the article really uh, doesn't have a lot in the way of detail, which is probably on you know on purpose. Um, but I agree. I, I wish that, or I hope that there is a, a regular round clock, and the 40-minute timer is just sort of an incentive to not slow play as opposed to anything else. That would make it a lot more fun. Yeah. Um, and just... This this is Saturday at ten o'clock. Just just. Oh, it's only one there. day that they're doing it. Yeah, which is the same time as Epic. So uh, so chance keep that in mind when you're packing your stuff. Nice. I don't know this this countdown thing. Whether this any of this becomes part of either regular organized play or a new format they try or something. Regardless, if it just doesn't go anywhere, I'm still excited to at least try it, and just so I can know how it works. Um, and how it feels, because I, I, there's definitely some potential for for what they're doing here. And I think Andrew's definitely right in that they're, they're clearly testing this or using this as a basis to show people why this is not a good idea, one way or the other. So I have a question for you guys pertaining to, not 2.0, because we kind of know what the culprits are for slow play in 2.0. Like, it's a lot, it's like ships with, or lists with a, too many ships where people can't move them quick enough, or lists with regen that you can kind of like stall out and then have more points than your opponent wow um, i feel attacked <laughs> <laughs> but, so uh back in like in 1.0 were there was there a lot of uh like stall play in 1.0 that like sort of like what we're seeing some of in 2.0 now yes and you, no um you, yeah I think in 1.0, it was a lot more deliberate, and uh, I think it might have shied away, shied away at the beginning of 2.0, but I, I mean, there was a game, I, I mean, I don't really like getting into this, there was a game at Nova that I had that, you know, kind of went into seven rounds, and whether that was slow play or, um, you know, deliberate slow play or just slow play as in I had to think about dials. I mean, when you only destroy 23 points and you're at seven rounds and the game ends, it feels bad. So I think it's something that is definitely on FFG's radar. I think it's it's something that they are considering. Um, but is chess clocks the best way to fix that? Maybe that's, that's what they're the, trying to figure the out. Core of my question, like, was this a problem in 1.0? Because if it what if it wasn't, why? Like, there's some, like, there there surely must be some rules tweak or point tweak that can fix it. I, I feel like a chess clock, right? <laughs> but chess I mean, clocks. Don't get me wrong. I'm excited to try it. <laughs> attacks were just so much more accurate in in 1.0, right? Like, I mean, my Miranda was almost always hitting for five, um, you know, twice in a game. So. I feel like it's harder to push that damage through sometimes in 2.0, at least the, the super high spike damage anyway. Um, you know, there's no Nim Miranda type list out there that just nuke someone in, you know, three rounds. Fair, yeah. 1.0 is a little bit more rocket tag and 2.0 is a little bit more uh, <laughs> wear your opponent down. Yeah, I, like, I, yeah. I, I was just... I also feel like people are just much more focused on win conditions now than they were even when I started playing like two years ago. I, I just think as a player base, we've all gotten 
far more sophisticated and are willing to to have that degree of patience that most people didn't have. And they were just like, I'll just line up and joust you because that's fun and we'll roll dice. Um, we're now, you know, at these higher level events, people aren't just willing to do that. Now, how, how much of that is because of half point changes, though, from 1.0 to 2.0? Whereas in, in, two, in 2.0, you do have to be a little bit more careful about throwing a ship out there. Because even if it doesn't die, it gets half pointed. You just that that could literally lose you the game and i don't if i remember right that wasn't uh really a factor in 1.0 you could have a ship at one hull and still win on points yeah that's right for everything but uh large base ships i think yeah large base ships were half yeah i would say it's a lot more swingy like uh i mean there's there was games in 1.0 where there was nothing you could do about it like once if, if you were taking large base ships um now, now, granted, the points, the half points rule was added in there for good reason, but uh, like there was instances where, you know, if you brought a large base ship, you know, you could be doomed right from the get go um, for that reason. Where uh, there's games that are a lot more close in second edition that um, it, it might matter a lot more. I think I I don't know like I think part of the problem is is that people are seeing all these games not um, end in dis- a two hundred point destruction and it, it really kind of comes down to is that the game that FFG wants and I don't know I'd love I'd love to see a chess timer on the table if for nothing else but to have a clock right next to me too like <laughs> yeah I. At all the big tournaments, I would love if they just had a big high school scoreboard or something with like a big clock on on it. <laughs> here's the here's the round time. Like you don't have to ask; it's just there. Right. That was that was one awesome thing Nova did, where they uh, they actually projected the round time right above the uh, the judge table. So no matter where you are in your match, you could just quick glance up and see, oh crap, there's only ten minutes left, or oh crap, there's still forty minutes left. Yeah, I hope they do something like that at Worlds. Um, but do we want to just hit quickly on these other events? There, there's not many left. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's hangar bay pods that go off hourly the entire time. Um, obviously, just like a normal hangar bay, you, you know, get in the pod of eight, uh, and you bring two lists, and uh, you get to, to pick your list at the uh, at the start. You know, blind, not knowing what the other person's going to pick. Um, so those are always fun. Um, they have how, how uh, many? How many people do we need to farm tickets with those? We need eight, and we have eight people going, <laughs> so we're good. <laughs> Thought we were supposed All right. To <laughs> um, on Thursday and Friday, uh, for the people not playing in the main event, there's an extended tournament, um, which is just five rounds. Um, so you know, just your regular tournament. And then on Thursday and Friday, there is a four-player aces high free-for-all, where you bring one ship that can't be more than eighty points. Um, and it sounds like uh, you and three other people play and uh, try and get the most victory points, um, which I think is is probably by killing another ship. Um, so that one actually seems really cool. I'm excited for that. I'm already building out my Anakin um, for for that one. So uh, they talked about in one of the uh, live streams earlier. They talked about when they were talking about scenario play. They talked about the Aces High format. And it's sort of like a, um, what do you call it, furball? Right. Or uh, Hunger Games. Except one of the rules is when you kill, apparently, like, if you kill an enemy ship, 
you get like a point and it like flies around on you. But if someone comes and kills you, they can get extra points. Savage. Yeah. So it's like if you're kill so you kill enemy ships and then you get like you, you put some sort of token on your ship and you become worth more if you're killed. It's like a bounty. Yeah. So then a new player can just like step up, join the game, and if they kill you, they can like get they can catch up and it makes uh, there was some sort of variation. Uh, That's so cool. yeah, so it's not always so it like uh so it's not always one person. So you're always like chasing after the leader, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so one thing to note is that it says players must bring a hyperspace point token, which is kind of cool. I've never actually seen anyone use one of those, I think. Um, but, you know, that means there's probably going to be, you know, deploying back into the, the the battle or just initial deployments being random. Um, so, you know, that's kind of a cool, unique thing about this. I was about to say, what if like there's like respawning? That's what X-Wing needs. It's your classic deathmatch where you get to respawn your ships. You get a point for every ship you destroy, and then you respawn back in. Problem solved. <laughs> All right, so let's move on from Worlds. Um, I'm going to give you guys the floor real quick. Uh, Chance, Matt, Tristan, uh, do you guys have anything you're going to throw out there before we move on to our next and final topic? All right, so we're going to talk real quick um, about some... We're, we're not going to hit all of the X-Wing hacks that we might have figured out or other people have figured out that we stole or anything along those lines. Um, so I tell you what, Brett, why don't you take one and talk about it for a second and we will figure or go from there. All right, so I mean, these are not any like brilliant insights that people have not otherwise had but you know going into to something like worlds it's not a bad idea to you know refresh on some of the the basics and we have chance here who was flying defender so the first one i had put down here is uh knowing where your 4k is going to land based on obstacles um i used to fly defenders all the time in 1.0 the scariest thing is when you're facing that board edge and you're just you're worried am i gonna am i gonna fit with this 4k or am i going off the board um, so I, I, as a ton of people did, I'm sure I, I realized, oh, a 4k is the exact same distance as a range two ruler. So if I just corner every single one of my asteroids, I'm going to have three, I will have a way to judge for every single 4k I'm going to do facing the board edge. If I'm going to be okay, it's basically, am I behind the asteroid or am I not behind the asteroid? If I'm behind it, I'm safe because I have to be more than a range two out based on where the asteroid is going to be placed uh and if i'm in front of the asteroid then i know the 4k is not going to work and i have to look at one of the other options um so you know asteroids depending on if you have a 4k or a 5k they can be a really useful way of of making sure those kind of scary maneuvers you're going to do are going to fit or or where you're going to end up if you you know if you know you're right next to an asteroid well i know if i do a, a three hard turn that's going to put me you know, let's say a, a base and a half away from the edge of the board. Um, so that that's one hack I like to do to try and and figure out the position of, of where I'm going to be. Nice. Uh, Jonathan, do you have a X-Wing hack oh. that you would like to talk about? Well, I guess uh, to add to sort of Brett's point, so whenever you have, so there's lots of opportunities to measure in the game. So when you're measuring to shoot an opponent, like who's say lined up against you, a lot of time, if you pay attention and remember how far they are, then you can keep that in mind when you're planning your movement. 
So for instance, if they are at range three, then you know, like just out of just just at range three, then you know you could actually fit a you could fit a four K or a four forward and not bump them. It's very easy, especially at the beginning. You just sort of measure, and you're, and then later, I would think, okay, how far away was that ship again? Will this move fit? But if you sort of just pay attention to exactly how far it is, when you're um, when you're measuring your distance between your ship and potential targets when shooting for the next movement, next planning phase. And that's such a good tip, and it's one I I tell myself all the time to do, and then I find myself saying, well, clearly this is. This is range two because look, the range one ruler is too too short. And then I, I realize, why didn't I measure to that ship? Why didn't I measure to the ship behind me? Why didn't I do any of this this extra stuff? Like take the time and measure. I can't tell you how many times I've screwed that up and get so mad at myself because now I don't know. Can I spend this focus on offense or do I need to keep it for defense because I'm going to get shot by someone behind me? Um, so that, that was a really good one, Jonathan. I realized uh, on Saturday that I mean, I think <laughs> that every single time an opponent's ship moves, you can measure range for snapshot. If you haven't done it yet. After an, if you haven't done it yet, yeah. If oh, they're wow. eligible, If they're eligible to take a snapshot. Yeah. After an enemy ship executes maneuver. So, yeah, you... I, I've actually talked about this. <laughs> He's throwing the other corner of the board and be like, I'm going to check for snapshot. <laughs> Right. You know, it was funny because I <laughs> talked about this um, in one of the previous episodes where I had snapshot on Ketsu and it was kind of like, I'm going to check for snapshot. And then I was just like, oh, no, I just gave you information that you're not in my arc. And now, right. you know, you don't you were need playing to against out of it. So, yeah, you were um, playing and, against me. And then I realized, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, wow, like, oh, I can actually like use this to inform my decision about reposition. Right. All right, so I think we have gone over our time for this episode. So first thing I want to do is I want to thank Chance, Matt, and Tristan for coming on today. Um, part of Team Liberty Squadron that is going to Worlds. I hope that we can get Ted and Paul on next week uh, to talk a little bit about their Worlds experience coming up. Um, so uh, thanks so much, guys, for coming on. Um uh, what else do we have to talk about? Anything? Uh, just a reminder that the group championship is this Saturday at Top Deck Games. I believe dials down at 11. So um, just follow up with that on the Facebook page and check it there. If you are a fan of the show, check us out on Patreon. We Everyone in this last month should have all their swag already. If you didn't get it, let me know. Uh, if you are unsure on who Gritty is, Google it. That is who is on your crit token. Um, he's become quite the local celebrity, and that'll be in your search history. Please, <laughs> please ask us about Gritty at World. Yes. any of us will gladly answer that question. Um, so your next rewards will be a little bit more practical than a local. And your meme. thank you notes. Oh, uh, in your thank you notes, correct? <laughs> um, they are not. I throw that in there. They are thank you notes. <laughs> Um, so check us out there. Um, we have some cool tools that we will be able to send out more acrylic stuff from here in the future. The K2SO cards, we are hoping will be here before Worlds. If they are not, all the Patreons will get them in their thank you notes right around the corner. Um, if you are at Worlds, we have some cool swag to hand out to everyone. So make sure you um, check us out there. I believe we have some kind of pumpkin spice flavored card. Um, compliments <laughs> to Tristan. So make sure you hit up us 
with us there and i'm sure we'll be hitting up all the local bars and everything afterwards so on that note i want to thank everyone for listening thanks again guys for coming on to the show it was a great um having you guys on and have a great night and grit good <laughs>